right, good morning, Watermark. My name is Adam Tarno. Excited to be with you guys today. Today we're going to be taking a little break from the Summer on the Mount series, and we've got something else that we've got in store for you guys. And so to set up our time, I'm going to do a little experiment with my friends over here. Why don't you guys come on over from get, get uh, into the light here. So these are my friends. This is an experiment. This is live. I don't know how this is going to go. This could go wildly wrong. So if nothing else, for the next few minutes, this will be riveting television for you guys, okay, to see how this goes. So I brought my friends up here primarily because they've got a song and dance that they've prepared to Baby Shark. So I thought, would that be a fun way to start after all that great music to go do Baby Shark? That's not what we're going to do, okay? So uh, we're going to do something else. So let's watch this to see how this experiment goes. So here's what I need for you guys to do. Make a circle. Make a circle, all right? There we go. Look at that, all right, good. Any other way you can make it? <laughs> yes, he's already proven that. And we moved, and we have that there. Oh, and we get, all right, yes, very good, very good. Okay, the experiment has gone well. You guys are normal, okay? That's what I wanna tell you. So here's where, every time I run this experiment, the exact same thing happens, and that is when I ask people to make a circle, they often get together and make an inward-facing circle, okay? They make an inward-facing circle, and then if I ask them to do it again, they'll do exactly what you guys did. They'll maybe hold hands, and they'll get closer together. That's happened on just about all of these services that we've done this, and so you guys are normal. Thank you very much for passing the experiment. Let's thank our friends for being up here. You guys are free to go. And so I show you that, I show you that today because this tendency to make an inward-facing circle is one of the most significant challenges that we face here at Watermark Community Church. This tendency to just get together and just be facing one another and kind of ignoring everybody that is outside of the circle. Now, if we here at Watermark just wanted to be a club or we wanted to be a fraternity or sorority or if we wanted to be like a neighborhood association, then that would be fine that we just had an inward-facing circle, but that's not who we are. We're not a club, we're not a fraternity or sorority, we're not a neighborhood association, we are a church. And one of the distinguishing characteristics of a church is that we make our circles differently. We don't just get together and just make an inward-facing circle. We need to make those circles differently. That's what makes this organization, this church, different than any other organization that is out there, is this, this uh, drive to make a circle differently. Now, if you unpack, though, that a little bit, if we think about some of what we read and some of the commands that we see as you read through the New Testament, it sounds like there's a little bit of a tension with uh, what kind of a circle we should make. So let's just say you're reading through the Gospels and you're reading in John and you get to John chapter 13 and you see Jesus telling us and commanding his followers to love one another. Well, that would seem to indicate that we should make an inward-facing circle because we are to love one another and Jesus would say that the way we love one another is a way that we tell the rest of the world that we're different and that we're following after him is seen in the way we make an inward-facing circle and the way we love one another. If you continue to read through the New Testament and you get to the book of Hebrews, you'll see the author of Hebrews telling us not to give up or to forsake meeting together and that we are to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So you read through some of the New Testament and you just see this call and this command to make an inward-facing circle. But if you continue, you'll see some other passages 
that maybe indicates something else. And so if you open up the book of Matthew and you get to Matthew chapter 22, you'll see Jesus talking about the greatest command that we are to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And you move on in the book of Matthew and you get towards the end and you see that Jesus, after he had risen from the dead, one of the last commands that he gave to his followers was to go and to make disciples. And so here it is, you're reading through the New Testament and you see this call to be an inward-facing circle, but yet you also see this call to be an outward-facing circle, to love your neighbor and to go and to make disciples. And it looks like there is this tension there. Are we to love or are we to go? And what kind of circle are we supposed to make as followers of Jesus? And the answer is this. The answer is both. We are to do both. This is a tension to manage. This is not a problem to solve. If we look at this as just a problem to solve and we just go, well, let's just love one another, then what's eventually gonna happen if we just make inward-facing circles here at Watermark is we're just gonna crumble and, or we're just gonna shrivel up and become smaller and eventually just die. But if we go over to the other extreme and go, well, well, the way we're gonna solve the problem is we're always gonna be outward-focused, well, that has problems as well because if we're only outward-focused and that's where we go and that's where we put all of our time and attention, then what'll happen is we'll just end up becoming hollow and weak and we'll just crumble and we won't be all that God intended for us to be. And so this is not a problem to solve. This is a tension to manage. And so the different way as a church that we are to make a circle is that we are to be an inward and outward facing circle. That's what distinguishes us from other organizations. That's the call that is on our life as we embrace that tension. And when, when churches embrace that tension and say, we're not gonna be just inward or just outward, we're gonna be both. We're gonna be an inward, outward facing circle, then some amazing things start to happen. In fact, that's part of the reason we're even sitting in here 2,000 years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection here in Dallas, Texas, is because from the time when Jesus said to go and make disciples, his church has organized and said, all right, we're gonna be inward and outward. And when a church embraces being inward and outward, it gets healthy and it grows. And over thousands of years, his church has grown and it hopped over the ocean and it came to the United States and now thousands of years later, here we are in Dallas, Texas, seeking to be God's church here in our city. And so I start with all of that because today what we're gonna discuss is how we as a church have been trying to embrace this tension of being an inward and an outward facing circle. And what I love about this church, or one of the things that I love about this church is that from day one, from day one, for over 19 years, this church has said we are going to make our circles different. We are gonna be inward and we are gonna be outward. And we've used different metaphors over the years and different phrases over the years and we've told different stories to illustrate this over the years. And so if you've been around Watermark for a while, you know we talk about how you don't go to church. Like right now, you guys are not in church. We are the church. One of my favorite stories that Todd tells is that if he is ever out somewhere and People say to him, oh, I, I saw your church, it's beautiful. He'll always ask back, well, who did you meet? Who did you meet? And he's just trying to illustrate and remind us over and over again that we, we aren't, like the church isn't a building. It is a people who are on mission for God. That's, that's who we are. We've talked about how we're a family and you don't go to family, you are a family. And maybe one of the, the one metaphor that is stuck and is maybe better than all of them that we've used over the years, and if you've been through the membership class or gone to Discover Watermark, you've certainly encountered this metaphor, and that is this, is that we are not a cruise ship, we are a battleship. 
And so we are not a cruise ship. We don't just open up the doors and play nice music and have a nice staff and all this kind of stuff to try to impress you like you would maybe at a cruise ship where you're trying to figure out what programs they offer and what games and activities they have and you're trying to assess whether or not you like the music on the ship and do you like where they're cruising to and then if, if you're done, then maybe you'll bring some friends and come back and cruise again. That is not what we try to do here. We are not a cruise ship, we are a battleship. And so we are a team that comes together to follow the noble mission given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ, and we are a battleship on mission. That is who we are. And so today, we're just gonna remind ourselves how God has been using this family, how God has been using this called out people, how God's been using this battleship, this inward, outward circle, how God's been using it. And we're gonna focus a little bit on the outward side and just to remind ourselves of what we're doing outwardly because we know there's always that tendency to focus inward. And I think today's gonna be really, really important and really helpful for everybody in the room, but especially if you're here the first time and you're just starting to get to know who we are here at Watermark, you're gonna get to really hear a lot of our heart and what we wanna be and what we feel that God has called us to be here in our city. And so this is gonna be a great introduction to our heart and who we are. And if you've been around Watermark for years, I think today's gonna be a great encouragement to you and just a reminder of all the amazing things that are happening outside of the walls here of 7540 LBJ. Because God's writing a story in this city and by the grace of God, we get to be a part of it and we're excited to share some of those stories with you here this morning. And I hope for all of us, we're inspired to continue to make a different circle where God has us planted, to not just be inward focused, but to also be outward focus. So for the balance of our time, you guys are gonna get to hear from my friend Jeff Ward. And so Jeff gets to uh, lead the external focus ministry here at Watermark, and we've just got a lot of fun things that we're gonna be able to share with you guys. So why don't you guys enter, uh, just welcome Jeff here to the Thank stage. You. Thank you. All right, Jeff. So uh, we were talking a little bit this morning um, about young Jeff, late teenager Jeff, early 20 Jeff. Oh, no. And you mentioned to us you had abandoned high school. Oh, no. Yep. This is how authenticity can backfire. Yeah, so he was telling us that he had abandoned high school. So those of you guys that are out there going, I think I recognize that guy. You might have been to one of his shows, right? They had, you had two. Two, two shows. <laughs> so you guys had two shows, and the band name but was we what? we were great. Yeah, you were awesome. You're awesome right. cover band. Band name was? Pictures. It was the late 80s, guys, and so we had the oversized X in the middle and the Z on the end. And that was awesome. Surprising um, that you only had two shows right. with, a, with a band name a like that, like Pictures. So anyway, all right, so we that. were having fun. You just cashed in some trust chips right there. <laughs> so we were having fun talking about uh, the, the late teenage, early 20 years, but uh, God does a lot in our lives, and we're thinking about a lot and thinking about what we're going to grow up and be when we're in our 20s. So what did 20-year-old Jeff think that he was going to be when he grew up? Man, 20-year-old Jeff didn't know exactly, but went you know, through college and spent some time overseas and uh, ended up realizing that I had a love for reading and writing and ended up in the law and ended up going to law school and then moving to Dallas in about 1995 and practicing law really is my background. So did that for about 13 years and, um, and then got connected here. We heard about this kind of young upstart Bible church that was meeting uh, at Lake Highlands High School, a few blocks from our house. And so 2002, joined the church, and it's been a really fun ride ever since. So 20-year-old Jeff said, I like to do all this. I'm gonna just follow this track. I think law is where I'm gonna go. Did it for 13 years. So how do you make that leap to go from following that path to eventually ending up on staff at a church leading, leading an external focus ministry? How, how does, like, what happened? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, course correction in theology a little bit. So 
grew up with sort of a mindset of the Christian walk being a lot about the don'ts, you know, kind of avoid the big sins. And then got connected here and around other guys that began to kind of show me that the Christian walk was really all about the do's. And so how was my life, you know, matching up with scripture and God's word? And so um, went overseas in 2007 on a watermark trip to Africa. And so we got to spend time with Christian lawyers in Eastern Congo who were really struggling to be Christians and lawyers in a very corrupt system, really built around corruption. And so I tell folks when I got back from that trip, it was a little bit like getting glasses for the first time. If you have glasses or contacts, you know, you kind of see all the same things and the same people, but you just begin to see them a little differently. And so coming back, I think we, you know, the guys on that trip, we were like, man, you know, we were inspired by what God was doing around the city and also um, wanted to jump in and see how we could use our gifts in a different way, maybe. Yeah, and so those glasses, like you came back not thinking immediately, I'm gonna go on staff at a church. I mean, you came back with a renewed sense of, hey, God wants to use me right here where I am, right? Mm -hmm. And then was that the process to get on staff at the church, was that a long process? Was it quick? I mean, how <laughs> no. long? Yeah. I, so I loved what I was doing, and I was given sort of my life over to the Lord in phases, and I, I remember the day I sort of white-knuckled, you know, and put vocation on the table, and I just right. said, Lord, you know, I'm in ministry, right, practicing law, just like you, everyone is in ministry wherever God has you, but just going, hey, Lord, if, if you could use me in some other way, I want to be open to that. And so shortly after that, got the call, you know, from Watermark saying, hey, we'd love for you to think about coming on staff and helping us put some direction and strategy around this thing called external focus. And so I thought it might be like a one-year gig, you know, and uh, here I am 11 years later, and it's been a phenomenal front row seat to watch God work through uh, the people here at Watermark. That's amazing. So uh, all the different metaphors that have been used over the years to talk about how differently we make our circle here at Watermark. What's been one of the, one or two of the metaphors that have been really most impactful or helpful to you that yeah, you've heard I over mean, the years? The, the ones you shared are phenomenal. I think the thing that I love is just our namesake. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons that... Uh, our leadership named what this watermark community church is that a water, you know, a flood leaves a mark as it recedes. And so you know that the water has been there. And so we ask ourselves often, if watermark went away tomorrow, would our city know? Would they care? Like, do they view us as part of the solution to the challenges facing our community or do they view us as part of the problem? And so I think the namesake and then also just the fact that community is our middle name. Yeah. So I love it. I mean, it reminds us where to be salt and light. Yeah, and you think about that when you say community's middle name, because we'll say that a lot here, talking about more of the inward-focused or the inward-facing circle with, with community. Yeah, yeah. That's right. uh, like community them. groups that we yeah. do or small groups. But I love the way you guys think about that. No, we are in a community here in DFW, and so that's our middle name, and so we are to be outward-focused as well. So even that word community is the way we love one another and the way we want to embrace uh, embrace the city and, and be a blessing in the city. So uh, I know oftentimes when you go around and you talk about the name of the ministry, external focus, that's not usually a name that you'll maybe see at a lot of churches. So what does it mean? Why did you guys call the ministry external focus? What, just, just unpack that a little bit. It's, it's terrific. I, you know, when we, uh, when I, early on I would introduce myself or talk about what we were doing and I would say external focus and then I would always, I kind of thought it was a little bit of a curse because I had to follow up with an explanation of what that means. You know, and usually, I'd, depending on who I was talking to, it might be outreach or missions or something like that. And I've come to really believe it's a blessing because I get to explain what it is that we're called to do as believers in Christ. And so, uh, not just even the ways we love and serve the community and places around the world, but just how we as the church, being externally focused, are called to lean into culture and the issues facing our culture today. And so, everything from 
questions around life and abortion to LGBTQ to racial division to city ordinances and things along those lines. And so just a reminder as believers, we bring a biblical perspective and a biblical worldview to the challenges facing our And so when you talk about external focus and this life of being on mission, we've even mentioned that just a few times here this morning, but what, is, what are some of the common misconceptions that pop up in people's minds? You have to find yourself correcting or reteaching uh, as we talk about external focus. Yeah, I, I think it's the, hey, to be missional, I'm gonna have to sell all my possessions and move to Africa, right, right? As, a, as a first next step. And that might be your first best next step, and if so, then we've got some resources for you. But for most of us, it just means remembering that mission is really here and now. It's with the people that God has placed in your path. Right, And so it's not something we do when we're in retirement. It's not something we do when we're empty nesters. It's not even something necessarily that we do just when we come here on the weekends to serve. But it's, it's, it's everywhere we are and the people that God has placed in our path. So how do you describe even what it means to be missional? Like what, what, what is that? How, how would you say that simply? I think being missional is really more about who you are than what you do. Right. And so uh, we don't serve out of guilt and shame. We serve out of an overflow of what the Lord has done in our hearts. And so even when you read one of my favorite passages is just a single sentence in Matthew where Jesus tells the parable of the man that was walking across the field who stumbles on the treasure and then goes and sells all that he has in joy, it says, and then purchases the field. And so we as believers in Christ who've been transformed and know the value of this kingdom of heaven, man, we're we're out there uh, engaging others and leading them into relationship with the Lord and then loving and serving them in the process. That's great. So I love how practical you and your team have made this to, uh, to just a way to think about how to be externally focused and what God is doing outside of the walls here. And you've kind of come up with these four rings that you use that I think are really helpful. So let's just talk through each of these. I think that'll be helpful for everybody to hear. Uh, so yeah. the first ring is just neighborhood. Why, why do you start there and what do you mean and and why, do you, why, why is that one of the first places to think about when it comes to think about being externally focused? Yeah, that's great. So, uh, you know, we talk about the why, and so this is a great, you know, model for us to understand what's the what, yeah. kind of what's the next thing, the, the path to participate. And so we start with neighboring because, again, uh, whether you're called to go to Uganda or you're called to do something in the city, we know we're called to love and serve our neighbors. And so um, neighborhood is really just a reminder, again, that we are on mission right there. And so it includes... Things like, I mean, today, this evening, you, the most missional thing that you might do is just simply walk your dog around your neighborhood and, and get to know your neighbors and find out what's going on in their lives and, and how you can be praying for them. And we've heard even just fun stories of folks that are signing up you know, with their HOA to be kind of the welcoming committee for folks moving into the neighborhood. So they show up at the doorstep and they're the first face that welcomes them with a, a fruit basket and just you know, engages with them or... Halloween block parties, or we even heard a fun story of a, a lady who brought her picnic table, you know, and put it in the front yard and kind of became the coffee station for the morning, you know, walkers and joggers, and it just became kind of a hub in the community. But we learn all these things really from, from you all through the, through the 4B process, our spiritual assessment, and we kind of compile those things and even put those on the, on the website. Yeah, and I love this idea of even just starting with the neighborhood, because it's not a massive change in your life. It's just as Jeff said, putting on new glasses, just starting to think differently about where God has placed you. And so the neighborhoods that you live in or the apartment complex that you live in or the dorms that you live in, wherever it is, like God has randomly placed you there on purpose. And part of the purpose is not just for school or for the, uh, the zip code on how close it is to where you work or anything like that. You're there to be God's man or woman and to be on mission 
in that neighborhood. And so even one of my favorite stories, when I lived in Atlanta before I moved here to Dallas, one of my friends said that by accident, he stumbled into a great way to engage his neighborhood and that he had young kids. And so they just went and bought one of those blue plastic swings that you hang from a tree. And he said, that swing has given me more opportunities to engage my neighbors and get to know my neighbors than anything I could have ever thought possible. So, you know, 22 bucks and he hangs that thing up there and they're out there just pushing their kids. And every night that just became a hub in the neighborhood for people to gather. And it was just a different way for him to think about, hey, God's placed me here, so how can I uh, use what he's given me and be outwardly focused with all of this? Now, even probably some people thinking about engaging in spiritual conversations or trying to have conversations with people beyond just the get to know you and where you're from and all that kind of stuff, that may cause some angst in people because they're mm-hmm. sitting there going, well, that's, that's the part I need help with. I don't know how to do that. What, what do we do here to help train people on how to engage in those conversations? Terrific, so we have lots of resources for you guys. I think sometimes we can kind of overthink this and go, man, I don't know if I have the gift of evangelism. And so, man, we, we've got a lot of resources. One of the things that we talk about often around here is our top 10 card, and it's just as simple as writing some names down and just inviting them to come with you to uh, here, to church, or something along those lines. But we also have this, if, if I had one thing to kind of point you to, uh, we have a um, sort of a monthly mission trip to the city called Unashamed. And so there's a weekend version of that. We do it every month. And there's a, a one-day version that's really great for families too. And part of that training is really just, man, how do you have winsome, you know, non-awkward, you know, conversations with people about faith? And we don't have to move straight to the diagnostic questions, but we can just talk with people. And so you can participate in that. We've had about 750 folks just last year mm. go through that. You get to serve in the city, see the city, Uh, visit some of our ministry partners and it's a great next step. That's great. Okay, so that first ring is neighborhood, just starting to think differently about where God has you living right now. So the second ring is work, which may be a little strange for some people going like, why why would work be next? So why do you guys include work in in the way to think about how to be externally focused? You bet. This is one of the new things, the new things that we're trying to kind of develop, which is I think sometimes we have a tendency to come to church or, or worship on the weekend and then we go to work on Monday. And it's really easy to have this sort of secular sacred divide. You know, what, what happens spiritually is disconnected from what happens at work or feeling like, hey, God doesn't care about my work. That's not spiritual, right? Or discipleship happens in a different context. And so one of the things we're doing around work is really helping people view work as worship, as discipleship. I mean, you spend most of your waking hours at the workplace. And so viewing that as one of the vehicles God uses in your life to shape you and also one of the opportunities, the platform you have to shape and inspire others. And one of the fun things too for us on our team is getting to think with you about ways that you can even think about your work, your vocation, your competencies and skills as the primary vehicle by which God may want you to love and serve the city. And so if you're a legal professional like me, we have an affinity group of legal professionals that we've been meeting for a long time going, hey, what are the gospel implications for our work? And what does that mean for us as lawyers? We've done that with educators. We've started that with medical uh, folks. And so we're gonna build out these affinity groups around everything from building environment, architects and engineers. I mean, how do we build buildings for the glory of God? And how can we use these skills to advance God's kingdom in some really neat ways? And even ways some business owners are even trying to think differently about their business, right? Yeah, one of the fun things has been uh, walking, for example, the plant with uh, 
an owner of a, a company that's thinking about, hey, how do I love and serve my employees? How do I make sure they're physically fit? Here's a gym. How do I make sure they're financially set up? We pay living wage, you know, uh, those kinds of things. Apartment complex owners that we're working with that we connect them with our ministry partners and so they can build out space that can be used for kids, you know, safe spaces for after school education and tutoring and VBS. And so uh, lots of different ways. I mean, in the Watermark News a few weeks ago was an oral surgeon who opens up his office and then, we bring, we bring volunteer dentists together and we do extractions from our medical clinics and just all kinds of ways, even inside your work, that you can love and serve our city. Absolutely. So that's what I love about these first two rings with neighborhood and work. You don't have to sell everything and leave, right? These are things that just, just looking very differently at where God has you right now in a way to start to be more external focused with all of that. So the third ring is the city. And this is where, for me, like I, I just go, all right, we live in a big city there are so many needs. How do you guys even think about that to just go, how are we even gonna make any progress on trying to solve some of the problems that are here? I like the way you guys kind of frame this up, so why don't you just share real quickly, how do you guys think about the city and where you landed on some of the, uh, the impact areas? Sure, so broadly we think of that as, first of all, we're, we're not another social services organization, we're not a parachurch, we're, we're not the Rotary Club, we are the church. And so when we want to care about what God cares about, we want to make sure that we're aligned with his heart for folks on the margins. And so, man, the first thing we do is we go to scripture, right? And we go, man, we look at passages like Philippians 2 and 1 John 3 and Isaiah you know, 58 and Micah 6, 8. And we just go, man, where is the Lord saying that his church should be actively engaged? And so that's sort of one bucket. And sort of the next bucket is, um, man, what are the needs in our community? And so from the Mayor's office on down to folks in the street. Man, what are the challenges? Everything from job creation to homelessness to education disparities to incarceration, all those sorts of things. And that can be overwhelming, you know, and going, hey, we're not called to do everything, but we're called to do something. And so then looking then at how God has uniquely gifted and resourced our body here at Watermark and what are the competencies in the human capital that he's brought together. And so out of those three buckets, we have the sort of sweet spot, which are the impact areas that we operate in. Yeah, so let's talk about these and unpack these. So you've got these six impact areas. I'll just read through the list here real quick, and then we can go through each of them. So it's life and family restoration. Number two is health. The third area is school impact and mentoring. The fourth area is poverty, alleviation, and community development. The fifth is prison. And the sixth area is the anti-sex trafficking. So let's just go through each of those. The life and family restoration, what are we doing uh, to help in that area? Well, if you've been around Watermark for a while, you know that life initiatives is a big, a big deal for us. We wanna, from the womb to the tomb, we care about life. And so that's everything from pregnancy resource and helping even women with an unexpected pregnancy be mentored in relationship and understand who they are and uh, the resources available for that child that they're carrying all the way through fostering. There's a huge need for a waiting list of kids here in Dallas that need foster families. And even as CPS might break up a family, this being the place where they send families to say, hey, if you wanna get your kids back, if you wanna be restored in relationship, this is where you should go. Okay, so life restoration, what about health? What are we doing in that area? Yeah, health, access to health care is a huge challenge. Texas leads the country in uninsured folks. And so you can put folks to work and discipleship relationships and you can do all kinds of things. But what we found is that so many people were using Parkland ER for their health care, which is a, a terrible way to receive health care in a very expensive way and not effective or efficient and not having emotional, spiritual needs met comprehensively. And so about five years ago, we launched 
what is now called Watermark Urgent Care. Uh, so we have a clinic about three miles from here that started with kind of a trickle of folks coming through and again with physical needs and then uh, we would approach the emotional and spiritual needs and pray with every patient if they, if they would let us and then connect them to ministry. And so now, last year, we saw over 10,000 visits uh, just in, this, in, these, in these clinics alone. Um, and we're so excited about what's happening and over 70 professions of faith just this year with folks coming through. And so we're doubling down on that. We're expanding our hours. We're, we added another clinic in Plano. We're, we're uh, celebrating a year there and even this year looking at ways that we can do even more with what's happening there. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, school impact and mentoring. What, what are you guys or what are we doing there? It's good. So just this week, we've been meeting with DISD trustees around some of the challenges that they're facing, education disparities and uh, lots of those. But even just if you look at like third grade reading levels and saying, hey, are kids reading along those lines there and the big disparity that is happening there amongst different uh, geographies and different people groups and how even based on that number, the state of Texas will try to figure out what, what is the poverty rate going to be 10 years from now? How many prisons should we build? And so we've just felt like that is a justice issue that the church should move into and come alongside. So we support teachers and we have official partnerships with Title I schools around the Metroplex and we help you all to engage in your local schools. And so really excited about ways that we can even expand what we're doing there. All right, poverty, alleviation, community development. Why don't you share some things that we're doing there? So that is everything from homeless ministry to job creation. And really, the mantra there is how do we empower people to be all that God intended them to be? And that's moving beyond, you know, uh, just relief or what I affectionately call turkey dinners and toy baskets, but really figuring out how to help people and intervene in appropriate ways. And so one of the fun things in that area this last year is that we have spun up our own community development corporation. So Watermark CDC is a thing. And that just helps us build capacity to say yes to some really innovative and creative ideas uh, in our city to uh, not just alleviate prop, uh, poverty, but to bring discipleship-centric relationship uh, into that mix and really help people in a big way. And so some of the first initial things that we're doing is we have several hundred people who are going through our uh, faith-based financial literacy program called Faith and Finances. And so one of the things we saw is we were putting people to, in discipleship-centric work we saw paychecks evaporate. And so we're training people to come through. And then one of the fun things out of that is as those men and women graduate that program, then they can move into our individual development accounts or IDAs, which is an incentivized savings program that allows them to accelerate their ability to, to get up on their feet. And so to save for things like a car, for housing, for education, for small business. And so for every dollar they deposit, we're, we're matching up to four to one to help them do that, again, with coaches and uh, allies and, and people to come around them. So again, super excited about that and several other ideas that are on the horizon. That's amazing. Prison and anti-sex trafficking, let's talk about these last two. So what are we doing to help uh, with prison ministry? You bet. So connecting with men and women inside uh, our prisons. And so one of the easy things that we do is just Noteworthy, which is a correspondence ministry that you can write to uh, a, an inmate that, that you get matched up with. And so I've been inside Gang, and I've seen the letters from you all to our prisoners, and they're taped up on the walls, and the, how impactful just that relationship can be with someone who may not have a healthy relationship outside the walls. And so there's a waiting list for people to do that. And then 
Uh, we actually go into two separate prisons and we do our recovery ministry in there. We do worship, we do Bible studies, and so all kinds of ways, and even to help folks as they transition and assimilate out of prison. All right, so the last one, anti-sex trafficking, what are we doing there? And that is just a, a dark, dark blight uh, in our country and in our city. And so one of the ways we felt the church could really move into that was to take people through a multi-week sort of curriculum. You have to really understand that issue and kind of the root causes behind it and, uh, and a theology around that. And then at the end of that, we match people up based on their gift mix with our ministry partners that are operating in that space. So you might go in with the hotel motel outreach team and we've actually worked alongside law enforcement to find uh, traffic, you know, uh, women who've been trafficked and minors. You might go into the clubs and work with ladies to remind them who they are in Christ and where their identity is found and what the resources are. You might go into safe, a safe house uh, and do Bible studies and, and mentor uh, women there. So there's a lot of opportunities uh, to work there or even advocacy. So these six impact areas, uh, that is, uh, that, that's Monday, right? You guys do that on Mondays? Just go <laughs> and take right. care of all those? Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> this takes an army of Tuesday people. Tuesday I practice with my band. There you so, go, yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. They're coming back. <laughs> Pictures is coming back. <laughs> Everybody's online right now reserving their tickets. I hope not. All right. Uh, so just, uh, share this number because I think it's, it's important to give people some context. So the 4B, we've mentioned that. That's our, our survey that we give to all the members at the end of every year where we get some data uh, about them. And it's also a spiritual assessment where we make decisions about how we're going to uh, focus our ministry for the rest of the year. So based on that recent survey from 2018 about how many people help you and serve in this area for impacting the city. Man, we are, we are so excited. Just under 3,000 of you are That's serving amazing. somewhere externally, either through ministry partners or in other ways. So we've got a, we've got a battleship. So That is really awesome. Okay, so that third area, so we've got neighborhood, work, city, and then this last ring is the world. Why don't you just share for a little bit, uh, what are we doing to try to reach the ends of the earth? You bet. So we've got five international partners, and we, we look for uh, partnerships with ministries that are working with indigenous uh, leaders, developing them, church planters. Uh, and so we come alongside and we do some training with them and we just figure out where the needs are that we can come and support. And that's everywhere from Haiti to Latin America, the new uh, partnership we have with Compassion to India, to the Middle East, and uh, other places as well. And you've even started to think about how to reach the ends of the earth a little bit differently based on a, a conversation you've had. So why don't you share that story because I think it's really good. For sure, and I just saw the picture of the water well. So let me just, can I say one thing? Yeah, absolutely. So the other things that I think are important for you guys to know about are things like water wells that we're doing. And uh, we built a trade school in northern Uganda originally for returning child soldiers who couldn't return to their communities who had come to faith and needed skills. And we do child development centers in Latin America and other places. And so there's a whole uh, world of opportunities. Orphan care. We're, we're funding Bibles going into closed countries. And so there's all those sorts of things as well. But one of the things we're super excited about is that we're seeing now the ends of the earth that are here in Dallas. And so um, one of the fun stories was we were um, over in the Middle East and we were working with a partner over there that was working with uh, men and women who were coming out of closed countries, had come to faith and then training them. And we had just finished this uh, week with them and we were sitting down with sort of the founder of this ministry who at that time was in his 70s. And so we were so excited about what they were doing and how they were reaching people. And so we said, hey, how could Watermark really come alongside? How could the church come alongside you guys and really accelerate what you're doing? And, and he leaned in and he said, 
do you really want to reach these people for Christ? And we were like, yes, absolutely. And then he said, do you really want to reach these people for Christ? And we're like, yeah, absolutely. Like I'm thinking, we're gonna stuff Bibles in our suitcases and go smuggle them into closed countries. And he said, if you will reach those people that are in Dallas, they can reach their friends and family and colleagues in these countries where places we can't even go. And we were really convicted by that. And we, as we came back and we began to explore who was here, you know, in Dallas, we began to see uh, all of these, let's start with, for example, international students. And so we have University of Texas Dallas right here, UTD, which ranks eighth in the country in the number of international students. These are students who are leaders and influencers who are coming here for even graduate degrees and then they're returning to their countries. And these students really want a relationship with an American family, 25% uh, or less, ever step foot into an American home while they're here being educated, and yet they crave that. And so 8,500 students, international students at UTD, and so we only touch through our friends program and our home groups about two to 300 of those students, and we have a waiting list of 100 of those students that would like to, to participate in that program, so. Which I love it because it comes all the way back down to neighborhood, that sometimes just thinking differently about where you already are, just opening up your home yeah. is a great way uh, to, to be able to have an impact with those. Is that refugees? Uh, I mean, refugees, yeah. too. I mean, you know, uh, we actually resettle more refugees here in the Metroplex than any other city in the country. And so, and we also know 40% of the folks moving into Dallas are foreign born. We know that 80 countries are represented right here at Watermark that are first generation and Spanish speakers, our Spanish speaking friend, the Hispanic uh, uh, demographic is the fastest growing in the United States and certainly here in Dallas. And so we're so excited about just doubling down on our efforts to reach, equip, and develop missionaries right here to reach these people groups here in Dallas. All right, let's wind, wind down here with the last couple questions. So I would imagine people are sitting there and they're feeling fully deployed, but they're also hearing all these other opportunities and maybe being inspired uh, to, to try to help, you know, to, to meet some of these needs in the city or around the world or even in their own neighborhood and work. Are you telling everybody to just go do more? Is that yes, what you're saying? absolutely. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. So it's, it's a great question. And so um, I think about my own community group and, and the men and women in my group, and they are doubled down heavily invested in our marriage ministry here at Watermark. So God's amazing story is happening inside the walls through all the ministries that many of you are involved in. And so man, if you are fully deployed and you are missionally engaged in your neighborhood and you see your workplace as a platform to love and serve others in the, in the city, then man, we would just say, well done and, and to be, in, be encouraged. But if you're underdeployed, if you've, you've been through Equip Disciple and you're ready to get going or you want to explore what might be out and around our city and God's amazing story outside the walls, man, we just tell you, let's go. And, and we'd love to work with you and um, to be that, to find your fit. Or you might be somebody here who's never yet met, you know, uh, Jesus, and would love to help you find a relationship with him so that you can find that treasure and, and stumble over that and recognize the value of, that, of God's transformation in your heart. And we'd love to talk with you about that as well, if that's you. All right, so how can people find out some more information? What's kind of like one last call to action? Uh, terrific. We say start simply and simply start. Yeah. Don't feel like you've got to overthink it. And so here's three practical ways, three practical next steps for you. So one is, if you're interested in those impact areas or something kind of specific, 
Men, feel free to reach out in an email, externalfocus at watermark.org, and we'll be back in touch with you, and we'll sit down and help you navigate all the opportunities and find your fit. Um, secondly, you might have your kids home for the summer, or you might be, this summer is a great time to think about serving, and so uh, all of our summer give and go opportunities are up on the website, so you can go to watermark.org go. And you'll see lots of things there. I was there this morning scrolling through. And so there's some tremendous exposure opportunities to see other parts of the city and ministries there. And then thirdly, we have many of our ministry partners are here this morning. They've invested time to come spend time with you. So, man, as you walk out these doors, man, get to know some of these ministry partners that are right here in our lobby. That's great. So uh, that's what we're going to give you an opportunity to do now. So, uh, Jeff, why don't you pray for us and then we'll release everybody. Be happy to. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for these uh, folks that are about to be baptized and just uh, you've led them to this next step of obedience and just uh, following you and your commands. And Lord, um, thank you for just the privilege and the opportunity that it is to be salt and light. And we just know, as we were reminded a few weeks ago, that there are no random acts of kindness if we are followers of Christ. So Lord, help us to be intentional and thoughtful and engaging in our neighborhood and our workplace and the city and around the world, Father, and just be part of your kingdom advancing work. And thank you. Again, that you choose to do that in and through us, that we are your plan A and there is no plan B. Remind us of just the transformation that you've brought about in our hearts and lives, and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You guys have a great week of worship. You are dismissed.